Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, here we are again at Tennis Podcast Towers, otherwise known as my flat uh the three of us myself and matt who've spent the entire day sat in exactly the positions that we find ourselves now well apart from a couple of hours this morning when matt played actual tennis i did Mm. the longest time i've spent playing tennis in a while and i think i'm going to be feeling it tomorrow Mm. you and Angelique Kerber and Sara Saribas Tormo mm. both. Those uh, were the vibes. <laughs> more of that later. David's joined us fresh from his BBC TV commentary shift. We were listening to you on BBC Two not not an hour or so ago, David. I'm glad I didn't know that at the time. I'd have been very, very, very nervous. It's just talking on the telly. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like people I know might have been watching. <laughs> uh, you've got Billie Jean on your knee. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of a bit of a love affair. Well, we 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 get on. We've got we've got an understanding, <laughs> haven't we? We're mates, aren't we? Yeah, we're mates. She says yes. She says it was her, with her eyes, though. She does all of her talking with her eyes. Um, so, what about today then at the tennis? Not not Matt's tennis. The secondary tennis. <laughs> happening at at SW19. Um, On centre court, it felt a little bit like the morning after the night before or the day after the night before. They're decent enough matches. I think the Barty blink of a match had moments of drama. The first set of Federer against Gasquet was was quite exciting. Could you take me through those? Because I I didn't get to watch any of them because I was doing other commentaries. So I'd I'd, I'd love to know what went on. Well, the end of that sentence was... But none of them were, were, you know, particularly... uh, You know, I was thinking, how do we... What what do we lead with in this podcast? And I don't think any of those centre court matches just grab you as, as lead stories. No, probably not lead, but I think Barty and Federer were significant, I felt. Um, Barty hit nine double faults today and was having real problems with her serve. And I was a bit worried that that perhaps meant that she's struggling with that hip injury again. And she is telling everyone that that is not the reason and... 
that's great to hear. She just said she was having a few difficulties with it. Um, she didn't play particularly well against Blinkova, but she played well when she needed to. When her back, you know, when her back was against the wall, she did find her best tennis. Um, she got a tricky match next, I think, against Sinyakova, who mm. loves playing seeds at slams and has, has beaten a few of them. When the pressure's off her, totally. So that's that's Barty. Not a particularly notable match, but I think just it's just interesting to monitor her form because I think it's tournament defining. If she's playing really well, she's a real favourite to possibly win this title. If she's a bit off, it brings just so many more people into it. Um, and then with Federer, I can't help but think that Richard Gasquet's played him into form. Um, <laughs> as, as That's nice of him. As it's, he's done throughout his career. the role he plays in tennis. Yeah, totally. Um, I was watching the first set of that on my second screen and Federer wasn't playing well in the first set. He was, he was struggling, but then we tuned into it, Catherine at five all, Mm. it it got upgraded to the, to the telly. And suddenly Federer was sublime for the rest of the match, you know, really striking the ball wonderfully. None of the, none of the, tension in his game that I felt was there against Manorino he was free he was flowing and that meant that the shot making was was just brilliant and afterwards in his post-match interview he had that giddy face mm. on you know laughing during the interview he, he seemed in a really good place today I thought it was I thought it was significant what we saw from Federer today he thinks it's one of the best three matches he's played this year it's the best I've seen from him. Um, a real step up. Mm. Well done, Richard, Richard Gasquet. <laughs> was it because it was Richard Gasquet? Well, that's the other... Uh, that is a possible factor. Just being the perfect foil. The perfect opponent mm-hmm. for him. Someone he's so comfortable playing against. But the fact he didn't start the match brilliantly and grew into it, I think, is encouraging. It's not like it was there from the beginning he did seem to find his timing and his mm. feel who's he got now cameron norrie oh who won in extremely professional dominant fashion over alex bolt on court number one today you know from and three love down in from the three set. love down in the opening set and then i think he won 11 of the next 12 games um and that's really impressive from cameron norrie you know Playing on the second court at Wimbledon suddenly as as a seeded player, you know, complete in a completely different stratosphere to the last time he played Wimbledon when he'd barely ever won a grass court match or barely played many grass court matches. He's this is massively new territory for him, kind of all coming at once, and for him to deal with that as as brilliantly as he did today, I thought was very impressive and. I think Federer will win that. I think that's probably a good matchup for him, but he will test his fitness, Cam yeah. Norrie. He's so reliable yeah. now, isn't he? Mm. He turns up. You are going to get a match from that guy. And look at the number of semis and finals he's mm. reached this year. 
Uh, I know he hasn't won a final yet, but he just keeps turning up. And to, to then do the same at Wimbledon, particularly, I think that was really tricky, that start. Honestly, he could have lost that to Luca Pui. Uh, n- not, not that I feel that he it was a reflection on him, but that's a really tricky scenario to be shunted out onto a, another court, only get the one set in before darkness or rain or whatever, and then come back, have to come back having lost the tiebreak set. I mean, it's it would have been, there's loads of good players who would have lost that in his position. And he he just shows up and sorts it out. I think he... <laughs> I think he can. Yeah, well, I agree, Billy Jean. I think he can push Federer. I do. I think he can beat Federer. If Federer is not there, he can take him out. I mean, that's what he does, isn't it? When he keeps players honest, and I know that sounds really demeaning to what he does, but you cannot afford to have a subpar day against Cameron Norrie. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, he's going to have to produce sets. Two and three against Gasquet, I think, to to beat Cameron Norrie. I, I I'm persuaded by how good Federer was uh, in the latter stages against Gasquet, and the fact that he's <laughs> provided the service Gasquet of playing him into form. I think I think Federer will probably have the level level to beat Norrie, but he'll need that level, yeah, for sure. Um, so sandwiched in between Barty and Federer on centre court was. Uh, Elena Vesnina and Coco Goff, 6-4-6-3 for Goff in that one. Must confess, I, I didn't see much of it. I saw the post-match press conference of Coco Goff uh, early, uh, afterwards where she said, I feel like a completely different person to the one who last played on centre court here. All of two years ago. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. Did she, yeah. did she explain in what way at all? In terms of life experience, perspective, I mean, I guess you you couldn't really, both on a personal and a sort of macro global level, it's hard to imagine two more dramatic um, life-changing years, Yeah, I suppose. And 15 to 17 is a big jump anyway, and for... That was a very impressive bit of athleticism from Billie Jean <laughs> to just leap from a standing start on the floor into Catherine's lap. It was Monfils-esque. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'd, you're right. I mean, it's not surprising. And, and, look, she's even when you listen to her you can and see the results and the, the performances, the professionalism, the maturity, you can see how she's got two years older and and pro and a lot more because of this the situation she said uh it it makes her feel more nervous than any other court center court and given that the 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 fact that she got the job done today in in straight sets i find find very impressive and it's more evidence of what we we started talking about at the french open that this is it's not even that much of a story you know her playing the center court her winning it's just just sort of what happens she now. She's quietly like making her way for through the draw. She's a factor in mm. every draw that she's in now. Yeah. So while that was on ish, the 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 matches aren't totally aligned. Centre court starting half an hour later than number one court, but we had Carlos Alcaraz against Daniil Medvedev over on court number one. Medvedev, on the face of it, a very one-sided winner, four one and two. Um, an hour and 35 minutes. But the crowd really took to Carlos Alcaraz. B- 
big time. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it was a straightforward win for Medvedev. I think the the scoreline is reflective of how the actual tennis went. But as you said, the crowd really loved Alcaraz and his his efforts. I think. I think they. I think they realised he was a massive underdog and had no experience on grass, and yet he showed glimpses of what we think he's going to be capable of in a few years' time. And that's kind of all you want, isn't it? Mm. A, a, a player to give their all and show what they're about. And, and that's what Alcaraz did. And Medvedev, of course, was playing up to that and <laughs> not, you know, during the match, not necessarily enjoying the fact that they were supporting Alcaraz so much. You know, there was sort of... But, but don't you think he was... It was for show. not enjoying it. Totally. Yeah, it was pantomime. He raised he raised his finger to his ear when he won the first set because nobody cheered. <laughs> nobody <it>. cheered, <laughs> and he did it again when he went up a break in the second. Yeah, he's he's looking really good. And and a, a funny line from his press conference was that as as so many players are being asked about the slippery courts, you know, obviously lots of articles are being written about that. He was asked about it, and he said, "Well, I'm actually on a streak." that I haven't slipped on grass all season. And I want to keep that up. Which I just thought was a classic Medvedev line. Clutch whatever straws you can, I say, Daniil. His next opponent is Marin Cilic, who beat Benjamin Bonzi, the French qualifier in four sets. That was one of the last matches to finish today. Cilic against Medvedev. Tell you what, um, I, I only saw m- match point of the Chilich bonzi match but it was a fiery Marin Chilich, wasn't it we 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 both sat here watching the sort of today at Wimbledon roundup and both sort of went oh blimey wh- who's that jumping out of our screen well, and he, what's eaten Marin Chilich? he's raging against the dimming of the fire isn't he and he's showed a bit of defiance in the last he has couple of months winning mm. that title in Stuttgart and and I noticed a bit at Queens. I, I think this is really interesting because he used to be in Medvedev's shoes. He was the mm. contender. He was the one we were looking at to challenge Federer for the title. Here he played him in the final. He comes back the the next year as the Queens champion, and he ran into Guido Pella and had that awful experience of being two sets up and losing. But he can still play. He understands grass court tennis. He's He's a dangerous player and Medvedev's going to have to really produce, you would think, in order to win. And if he does play his best, I think he will win. But this is one of those potentially torch-passing moments, really, mm. where where somebody establishes themselves as a threat at the expense of somebody who's desperately trying to stay relevant. Are you saying, David, that the movement is on the line? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. I never think of Daniel Medvedev as part of the movement. Oh, he is. He's. he's I mean, he's older, but he's. He's. He's got if you, to if, be. If Berrettini's part of the movement, then Medvedev's part of I, the movement. I think of it as different because I think of Medvedev as already there. I don't think he's some somebody coming along. But he had to move to get there. Yes, but he's already done it. He's achieved it. He's. He's. But established himself. But, yeah. Okay. But I think of the movement in this day and age as kind of anyone that isn't 
the big three. Yeah, okay. And Absolutely. If 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 the, the if the new be... challenger to the big three gets beaten by one of the old guys that the big three always used to beat. Yeah, okay. I, I you've talked me into it, and I think particularly because it's grass. Uh, and it's Chilich who mm. used to be the thing on grass. Mm. So I, I think it's fair to say that because Medvedev is still short of a win, a a bit of a statement win, and that would be one, I think. If it gets through that, he could play uh, Alexander Bublik in the fourth round. And anybody that is thinking, oh, that sounds exciting, I'll just remind you of their first round French Open match, which was the most desperately disappointing experience of my tennis watching year well i think you just need to now flip this and stop the hype catherine Uh-oh. ahead of it i don't you worry david i won't be hyping that one bit we we won't even mention it on the podcast yes but then as long but as long as you then still watch it because the thing is i think you know quietly might work then work out okay sure Public's <laughs> got to deliver. get through hubert Hercatch um before then uh Bublik uh, is somebody that Nick Kyrgios had some very interesting stuff to say about. Oh, right. Well. After his very, dare I say it again, professional win over Jean-Luc Mag- Maguire. Yes, professional, but with his greatest party oh, trick. Oh, oh. It's back. It's back. What is your favourite thing that Nick Kyrgios has ever done on a tennis court, David? Well, I'd have to go through a few here. It's probably the one where he goes up to somebody in the crowd on match point uh-huh. and asks where to serve. Uh-huh. He didn't. He did. He did. <laughs> and and which, in fact, he which did row? It. It's the it second was, row. Yeah, it was to the side. To the left-hand side. Oh, sort t- of describe on, the scene. Come on, on please. On the service line, left-hand side. He had to sort of really lean into the stands mm. to get to them. How it do you was, think he selected them? I assume they'd been really into the match up to that point. He he mentioned in his press conference that he was being coached by some fans. He said, <laughs> he said I was just being full on coached mm. by some people in the stands. So I can only assume that it was those same people. Yeah. And apparently he didn't just do it on match point. Apparently he did it other times during the match. In his opening with service different people. game, he hit two aces and an underarm serve. <laughs> And once he'd won the match, he obviously thanked the person who had suggested that he serve out wide or whatever and said, sorry, can't hug you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you just think there's a little bit of him having watched Andy Murray last night and chosen people that he's going to engage with and thought, okay, then, Andy, I'm going to get in on this. Mm. I think he's having such a great time, Kyrgios, and Mm. is in... A brilliant place, and I think he might have had some therapy. I don't know, but he's just got this sense of self mm. that I've not, I've not seen him in him before, um, and it's really magnetic. I know we've always, you know, thought of him as magnetic, but in a slightly, in a slightly different way. It's very, it's very magnetic. He knows who he is, and he's comfortable with it, and he's not trying to prove anything Mm. it feels like yeah totally and the great line that he gave about Bublik was that he doesn't conform in the way that the tennis world wants him Mm. to and he was talking about Bublik and also 
about himself when he gave that answer. And he talked about the tennis world re- re- relying on Bublik when he retires. I felt like saying Bublik's only sort of a year or two younger than you, Nick. <laughs> But anyway. Yes, he called himself an old soul. Yes. That's the second <laughs> second time he's done that. Um, he said he said he was really feeling it physically today. But hey, it didn't stop him uh, winning in straight sets. He will face Felix auger next, David. You saw him safely through to round number three. Yeah, but that match was an ordeal. I, I very much enjoyed it. But it was an ordeal because he was not playing well until... Well, pretty much until he won the tie break in the third set. He's playing against um, Mikhail Imer of Sweden, who I really enjoyed watching. He's a very talented guy, a lot of flair and a lot of... He's got a little bit of what Kyrgios has in terms of this innate understanding of what to do in a in a situation, what stroke to play to put it in a difficult different difficult position for your opponent the hands to be able to adjust at the last second and divert it down the line or cross court. Um, and actually, he was out playing um, Felix Auger-Aliassime for quite long parts of the match. He he made he made Auger-Aliassime look a bit ordinary, a little bit one-dimensional, a little bit paint-by-numbers as a tennis player, which I think sometimes that is a problem for, for the Canadian. He smacks the ball as hard as he can, but there's no great there's never any real surprises to what he's doing it's whether it goes in or out enough that's that's really what it comes down to um i mean the the match started farcically to be honest i mean it, it followed the match we'll come on to talk about which was the kerber against rebus tormo match but ogelia soon came out onto the court and it took a full 15 minutes for imer to arrive and felix is just stood there this happened with andrescu yesterday I mean, it was very mm. strange. Or two days ago. I, and look, I don't know. I mean, he, he, the day before, Imer had had a, a five-set classic with Joe Wilfred Songer, and he'd come back from two sets to one down. Done brilliantly to win that. Maybe he was suffering physically. I don't know. Um, but he came out onto the court so late, and it was, and, and he started terribly, immediately donated his serve to Ogeliusim, Um And that really was the set. And the other thing is, I mean, Imer, he doesn't, take more than three or four seconds between points he finishes a point and he's got another ball and he's ready to serve every single time and it makes him look like he's not that bothered at times and I think that's deceiving I think he is bothered most of the time but what happened was uh, that I was really impressed with is once Ogelia Sim had won that tie break. He got himself really professional in to, to hold on to his serve, two love service games, then won the tie break. Then in the final set, whilst Imer was honestly looking for re- for things to blame for why it was going wrong, i.e. the court being very slippery, and he did have a horrible fall that really was worrying. And he might have hurt himself, actually, in a way that impacted the match, but... There's a big difference in attitude. You could see the difference with Ogeliasim having a much more Nadal-like attitude. It matters to him. He is going to be present in every point. He might be too tight and overhit, and he was hitting overhitting a lot, but he just won the match mentally in the end. And it, you could tell it mattered more to him than it did to his opponent to win. And uh, and now he faces Kyrgios, who. I saw 
him play at Queen's a couple of years ago, and he, and it was, a, it was an incredible scoreline, sort of a couple of tie breaks and a 7-5, something like that, and uh, and Ogier Eliassime won. But that was a Kyrgios in a very different mind space mm. to now. Mm. Mm. Very passionate celebration from Ogier Eliassime at the end, I noticed. It's not... quite a triumph, I thought, mm. of... Uh, Given the context of his eight finals, eight losses, 16 sets, 16 sets lost, I think this is just another little stepping stone of pressure situation that he came through, and I think it means something to him. The celebration reminded me a bit of his celebration at the US Open last year after winning the match that set up the meeting with Andy Murray. And I I can't quite remember... Mute. Mute. There we go. And... He he did this big gnarly celebration, and then he did his on-court interview, and he said, "I'm trying to be more ruthless. Yes, it doesn't come easily to me. I'm 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 trying to to instill that sort of into my psyche, and and that sort of flitted into my mind when I saw his celebration upon winning today. So, yeah, Felix against Kyrgios, I'm here for it." Mm. I mean, I'm quite literally here for it because I imagine <laughs> I'll be sitting in this exact seat in two days' time, juggling that with uh, with the football. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Let's get on to talk about 
the match that held up uh, Felix Auger Alessim and Mikel Immer coming onto court because it was the match of the tournament. I mean, I, I've, there's lots of matches I haven't seen, and yet I feel completely confident in saying Angelique Kerber against Sara Saribas Tormo was the match of the tournament, and it's unlikely to be beaten on that front. And if it gets beaten, we are in for a treat. David, I'm sorry to have to tell you this because I know... <laughs> she wasn't there either. <laughs> I know Zooming. you had to experience this match napping on a bench outside the court. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> David heard the best match of the tournament. I tell you, I got a sense of what it was like, though. I can't tell you how thrilled people sounded in that stadium it was I'll I'll be honest I was a bit disconcerted by just how packed that stadium was it was at capacity Mm. and uh, and that isn't what I thought was meant to be happening first of all second of all um, it's a it's an all ticketed court and so often that court has got empty seats because people are just going off and having a look at other courts nobody was leaving this match it was just one of those. I, I watched one changeover. I was waiting to come in near the end of the match, and one woman just ran out because she couldn't hold it anymore. And she went off to the loo, <laughs> and but then she was back in time for the to, before the <laughs> shut the gates again. She's my hero. She was amazing, and uh, <laughs> and, and the noise. The, the you, you got that feeling that this crowd just could not believe their luck. Mm. And when you and when you then looked at the scoreboard and saw who it was, these are not okay. Angelique Kerber has won Wimbledon, and and, a, and she is a name. But these people were just rejoicing in the moment of this this magnificent sporting contest in which every rally seemed to be a mini epic, mm. and and they were loving it. They, they and and when and on match point, and when it was all finished, the standing ovation those two players got it was like it was like it was Andy Murray and Roger Federer out there, or Serena Williams somebody that they that they might not get to see ever again and they just wanted to show them the love that they had for them for making them feel as they'd been feeling for the last three hours and 20 minutes oh well i'm so thrilled to hear that i mean i could tell on on the telly that the crowd were loving it but to hear from someone who was there that it was sort of kind of there sort of there (laughs) close to there didn't see a point (laughs) Heard it all. Very yeah. nearly there. <laughs> oh, David. Um, yeah, I mean, Saras Rebus Tormo has been a really interesting addition to the 2021 tennis season. I mean, she's been around. This She's not a total newcomer, but she's grown into her role this year as someone who has played a lot of epic matches. I think she's played the longest match of the year and several matches over two and a half hours. And Angelique Kerber is a player who I love watching. She just has an unorthodox style that nobody else has, and especially on grass. That game... Yeah, it works on grass, just, doesn't it? It just draws me in. Remember that one she had against Muguruza a few years oh, ago? That was match of the tournament yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. So... You know, I was up for this match. I thought it would be good, but 
it exceeded all of those high expectations. Every single rally was something to behold. And they weren't just long rallies. They were such interesting rallies because Cerebus Torma has got a wonderful slice backhand to she's, go she's with a... She's got a net game. She's got... A she, heck of a net game. Totally. And a big, heavy topspin forehand. And Kerber, we know what she can do. So they were they were rallies brimming with variety. And yet they were so grueling and exhausting. These are two of the fittest players in the world. I'm sure of that. And... Actually, Kerber had a match point in the second set. An hour and 20 minutes later, they were still playing. Mm. And I just thought, how cruel tennis is. It was like it was like a physical battle, and you didn't know where the finish line was. And they had to give their all in every rally because they were such high-quality rallies. There was no option to just take your foot off the pedal for a moment. It was relentless the whole way through. Three hours, 15 minutes, I think, in the end. Uh, the highest quality. And this is the section of the draw that Serena Williams has has left. Yeah, watch so out for Kerber. I just think Angelique Kerber, former champion, playing like this, got to watch out for. I, I did think, will she even be able to move after this match? And then... When the match was over, she ran to the back of the court to fetch her towel. And I thought, okay, she's fine. <laughs> she's match also, is over and she's, she's still got all this she's energy She's also to one burn. of those players that almost uh, there's a bit of the curious thing about if she's fresh, if she's yeah. feeling happy. And I thought she looked it, it, almost a bit different to even when she was at her, her peak. She looks, looked lighter somehow. And yeah, I did that match was. Do you mean lighter physically or lighter no, in no. terms of the weight had, was off her? Yeah, her shoulders. She was not not. You know, sometimes she looks creased with the anxiety. She was, she was of burdened with being burdened. at the top of the game. Yes. Definitely. You know, she had that sort of extraordinary record of only winning titles sort of every other year because she'd... Yes, this might be the best match she's ever played in an odd year. Yeah. <laughs> she would do all her stuff in an even year and then the next year sort of be crippled by the burden of having to back it all up and, and yeah, having to, <laughs> to live with the the effects of what she'd done the year before. But, yeah, I'd, I don't know. Watch out for Kerber. And the match was so special that I feel like it's one of those where whenever those two players see one another in a locker room, they'll just share a look You're and a right. moment. Yeah, yeah, those are great, mm. aren't they? Yeah, I, I do like that. Um, so that was, yeah, it 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 was the match of, <laughs> let's just say the match of the tournament so far. And uh, if we have to revisit that assessment, um, we'll be delighted. Then we'll be very, very delighted to do so. Um, Number two court also saw Elena Svitolina crash out to Magdalenette. Um, And she's just quietly sort of just readjusting her status in the sport, Magdalenette, isn't she? This is, I think, her first top 10 win. 
um, not by retirement. So a really big deal for Magdalene at 6'3", 6'4". Um, Svitolina, of course, was a semi-finalist the last time this tournament was played. So not, I mean, not a great Gems Life day because Morfis <laughs> lost as well to Pedro Martinez. Mm. Mm. Does, At least they've got one another. Does Svitolina crash out of slams? Or does she just well, tiptoe out? I tip thought she would out. go out, but I didn't think she'd go out today. So to no. me, that is crashing out because that is... And again, I, I feel like I need to watch some Magna, Magda Lynette because I don't feel like I've got a... a, a a feel for how she's just done that. I didn't watch the match, um, but I wouldn't have picked it based on history. I would have thought. I, I, I thought the previous round Svitolina might have been vulnerable against Van Oytvang, mm. and I know she lost a set. But to me, it would have been a matter of time before she went out, and I certainly wouldn't have been saying crashed out. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a crash to me, but. I, w- I was surprised. I was surprised. The other big shock on the women's side today, or the the confirmed shock because it, it looked on the cards last night when the match was held over, was uh, Maria Sakkari going out to Shelby Rogers, who's always just an uplifting presence in a tournament, Shelby Rogers somehow, isn't she? Absolutely, and has had some really good results at the non-clay slams since the tours resumed post-pandemic. I think she's gone out early at both Roland Garros's, but on the hard courts and now on the grass, she is she's dangerous. She's played Ash Barty a lot this year and I think lost to her four times. So she could have had an even better year had she not kept running into Ash Barty. She's a dangerous opponent. Some interesting quotes from Zachary afterwards about just how much she's looking forward to the Olympics. You know, we've seen a lot of players, I think quite understandably, this year say they're not going to the Olympics in in very difficult circumstances. I think lots of them want to, but just for one reason or another, this year don't want to put that in their schedule. But that's fine, but I, I just... Love it when players are enthusiastic about the Olympics, and Sakri is one of them. She said sometimes she's losing sleep because she's worried that she might get injured before the Olympics. And she said that with so many players slipping on the grass, she was thinking, What if I slip and miss the Olympics? So she, I think she joked, you know, a, a positive is that I got through this tournament without getting injured because all my sights now are on Tokyo, where she's obviously going to be a contender for a medal in the singles, absolutely, and she's playing mixed doubles with Stefano Tsitsipas. How cool is that? That's really cool. Although Tsitsipas is not very good at doubles. (laughs) (laughs) But Petros might have been holding him back, I don't know. Maybe he's a great doubles player waiting to happen, but Stefanik wasn't a success, was it? He had that run to the final in Miami, of Miami with, with Kuhlhoff. Wesley Kuhlhoff until Kuhlhoff dumped him. So maybe, <laughs> maybe he is a, a great doubles player. I will, uh, I will withhold my judgment. Yelena Ostapenko is officially happening. She's on a seven-match winning streak. She beat Daria Kazakina today, eight-six right. in the third. Do we have to talk about that. I mean, 
Okay, I predicted Kasakina would win and she served for the match twice. <laughs> mm. Sick of it. Move on. And it, well done, Yelena Ostapenko. Yes, she's doing very well. And yes, she might be a threat for the tournament. Mm. Okay. Yeah, she's happening. Uh, Karolina Mukova won today three sets over Camilla Georgia. I watched quite a lot of that match. It was nervy from Mukova. She she sort of squandered a lot of leads just when he thought she was going to sort of run away with it. She she would falter, but ultimately her her tennis was there, and I thought she was she was very good. She had a, a slip like so many so many players are having, but um, she was okay. It looked like there was a Nishikori fight back on the cards from two sets to love down on that same court, court 18. Uh, but it was just a single set fight back. Nishikori fails to take match to five sets. Shocker. He lost out to Jordan Thompson. Uh, speaking of actual five setters, Taylor Fritz. Yeah, I don't understand this. Didn't he have surgery about three weeks ago? Possibly even a bit less. I think he had surgery on the 10th of June. That must have been good surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that surgeon's putting his, his rates up because uh, he won through the first round today. He beat Steve Johnson, his compatriot, 6-4 in the fifth set. He's, he, his whole leg, left leg, I think it is. Anyway, one of his legs is sleeved. Right. I mean, if he stands, if he stands, sort of with the right backdrop, it looks like he's only got one leg. But when they when they first <laughs> flashed up the match, I thought, what what's going on here? Um, but yeah, he's got this black sleeve on his whole leg, like like the green screen when somebody <laughs> walks into a studio yeah. wearing green and they just yeah. disappear. Exactly, um, and he's. I mean, I, I don't understand it. S- surgery, surgery. Yeah, I don't Bonkers. understand that. Um, but it happened. Uh, well, well done. <laughs> very Taylor well done. Fritz. We don't know how he did it, but he did it. So uh, so very well done him. Um, probably the other most notable result of the day was from court number one, where Saranika Steyer beat Victoria Azarenka 6-4 in the third. Azarenka had led with a breaker serve 4-3 in that third set. Um Really? Yeah, wow. I, I didn't see loads of this match. I saw points here and there. I did see Serrano Castillo's post-match interview, which was a joy. I thought it might have been because I saw it on the screen and I hadn't got any sound because I was commentating at the time. She said, <laughs> she I've been thrilled. A... <laughs> David's got... <laughs> David's got sound for great tennis matches but no images and <laughs> images for great post-match press conferences but no sound correct hence why I need the podcast to <laughs> fill in the blanks she said I've been a prof- professional tennis player since I was 16 and this is the best crowd I've ever played in front of she said it was the best win of her life I think the interviewer wanted her to say that <laughs> and she she was just committing to year for best win. Right, best but, win of her year. But in right. terms of atmosphere and yes. occasion, I think it was the best of her career. And it, and she'd never beaten Azarenka before, as you said, and it had been 12 years since they played each other. Really? Veronica Steyer has been knocking around for, for a so really long, long time. Oh, I think it's one of the... Americans, American young people would say this is one of the best low-key stories of the year, mm. wouldn't they? 
Um, I don't really know what it means, but but that's what what I think the context is, um, because nobody really talks about Serrano Castell as a topic, as a as a headline, and yet she has reinvented herself over the last year, and I think it's really something. And I'd I'd like to, I think I might have said this before. I'd like to find out more about it. I'd like to find out how she's doing this, what she's done, because it's. To to play that many years on the tour, and then to to come back like this without having actually gone a, gone away to reboot, really, she's just sort of done it on the job. And uh, I mean, maybe it's the maybe it was the pandemic lockdown that that got her to find ways to improve, but she really has improved. Mm. Yeah, it was it was honestly such a delight, and now she will quite possibly get to play on centre court again because her next opponent is 18-year-old Brit Emma Raducanu. Who is it? Who beat Marketa Vondrosheva in straight sets today. Wow. Yeah, it was... It was quite something. It was quite something. Because it looked like it was going to be a match we've seen many times before, which is promising young player takes the first set against the seed, against the more experienced player, the in this case, a former Roland Garros finalist, and then fades away. Because Vondrosova was three love up in the second set. And then suddenly, Raducanu had a, another burst and Vondrosova couldn't get near her. I mean, Raducanu reeled off I think, well, it would have been six of the last seven games with this overpowering tennis and out on court 12. And she looked, you know, in, in, in that set, pretty unstoppable. She had a real momentum behind her. And I thought it was very impressive the way she didn't let that match become the one we've seen so many times before. She She took ownership of it and... And delivered on her potential. It was it was really impressive. Yeah, she's got something about her. Definitely has something about her. So, yeah, that is such an exciting match for Saturday. A uh, couple of other men's matches to round up. Zverev won today. He was very good. Seven five six two six three over Tennis Sangren. Saw a few points of it. Looked just commanding, serving really well. Zverev. He'll be the next opponent for. For one-legged Taylor Fritz, um, is very the he- heavy favourite going into that one. I'd say and Matteo Bertini won today in your first commentary match of the day, David. But it it wasn't plain sailing. No, it was six three or six four six three seven six. Um, but the third set, he he faced seven break points against Botic van der Zanschulp uh, of the Netherlands. Nailed it. Who times the the ball? beautifully and and actually Berrettini was having a really hard job trying to hit through him and actually this these first two matches I think Berrettini has been burdened by suddenly being a favourite to go all the way or to go very deep here he handled it he still won in straight sets that's what you've got to do and I, I think he will get better I think he will start to settle down but he wasn't timing the forehand as as we know he can and he didn't look as lethal and frightening as he often does um so work to do 
still still one of the f- favorites that aren't Djokovic for the title yes i would because i think there is room for improvement and i think he'll settle down i think he was gripping the racket a bit too tightly probably today which i understand mm. you know when you when you're a favorite and you're being pushed so he'll play his next match on saturday let's take a moment just to bask in the glory of tomorrow friday's order of play we start on center court with Jabeur against garbinia muguruza we then follow with dialer dan evans against sebastian corder okay then it's denis shapovalov against andy murray yeah, uh, this is all fine. Uh, court number one is uh, Ludmilla Sansonova against Sloane Stevens, Novak Djokovic against Dennis Kudler, Elisa Mertens against Madison Keys, and uh, there's lots more elsewhere. Fanini against Rublev is on court number three. <laughs> Shviont- could be good. Shviontek Begu is on court 12. Um Shviontek's hey, on court 12. Yeah, I know, that's not great. Tiafo Hatchinov first up on court 18. Rogers, Rabakina. So just a glorious order of play tomorrow. And, and nothing more glorious, David, than seeing Dan Evans, British number one, on centre court against Sebastian Corder. Yeah, it's a nice prospect, isn't it? it? I mean, he's pumped. I mean, he's, he's really looking forward to that as well from, from whatever, what I spoke to him about. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's time, time to dial it down, isn't it? And, I mean, yesterday we were talking about his... Uh, his tactical approach and how he decided not to go forward against Dusan Lajevic because he felt he could beat him from the back of the court. I did ask him. I did ask him about what his tactics were tomorrow against Seb Corder, and he refused to tell me because <laughs> 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 because he knows how enormous the listenership of this podcast is, David, and it probably includes Seb Sebi Sebastian Corder. Yeah, so I, I've I've pivoted and I've decided to ask him about Nick Kyrgios instead. I've realised Nick Kyrgios seems to like four tennis players. Andy Murray, Ugo Humbert, Daniel Medvedev and you. Why is he like you? <laughs> and what do you think of him? Yeah, we obviously played doubles together a, a, quite a bit at the start. So it was, uh, you know, we'd known each other quite a while as well from the challenges and we've always got on. So... I mean, four four decent decent guys there. I think so. <laughs> no, I think Nick. I mean, ultimately, deep down, loves tennis. I think and loves to entertain. So that's that's why he's back here. You know, probably the best tournament in the world, and he he loves the Wimbledon crowd. And you know, I think that's that that ultimately brought him back here. Uh I I did also ask um, if he'd ever had a heart to heart with Nick Kyrgios on a night out. You refuse to answer. <laughs> well, that's a yes, isn't it? Because <laughs> if it's no, you just say no. Okay. You you can grind him down, David. <laughs> um, sensational stuff uh, from Dan Evans, as always. We'll be dialing a Dan. <laughs> dialing Dan. Dialing a Dan. Yes, but, but, that works. But one specific Dan Yeah. Uh, on future days. Unless he goes tournament. out and then we go, well, I've met with him. Hmm. Mm. Or we'll keep dialing a Dan. We'll yeah. see. We'll yeah. see. Um, any random one. Right then. I think that's just about it for your day four Wimbledon tennis podcast. I, I can't believe how good this tournament is. And it is, that's it? without the two days that are to come. I mean, the thought of the next two days is just... 
So it's almost a bit much. It's making me, it's making me Federer-esque giddy. Um, yeah, I do need do need to improve my predictions game somewhat. That would be the icing on the cake because at the moment I keep wavering over what turn out to be the right predictions and then letting Zeus down mm. uh, by going for the wrong ones. But uh, David's done the same with Rogue today. Matt scored a win for Scousel Mousel. Congratulations to you both. Uh, Billie Jean is always winning. She's sponsored by <laughs> Billie Jean King. Uh, Mocker is always winning. He's our Wimbledon mascot. Hello, Mocker. Go on, Mocker. Uh, Chris Albert Lee, always winning because oh, he's yeah. our executive producer. And our shout-outs. Who's winning in our shout-outs today, Matt? We have Amy Kaufman. All right, Amy. Oh, like Andy Kaufman or Marta Kaufman. Yes. From, from Friends. Writer of Friends. Oh, marvellous. And Amy writes to us, I think. So thanks ever so much, Amy. Thanks, Amy. We have Caroline Kaplan. Hi, Caroline. That's a good name. Like Janice Joplin. Sort of the Caroline version of that. How many she had to drink? It's a bit of a stretch, but I like it. It rolls off the tongue in the same way. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Caroline. <laughs> and Jean, or perhaps Jean. Oh. Althoff. Oh. Thank I, you, Jean Jean. That is cool. Mm. I'm going to go with Jean. Might, <laughs> might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> might be right. Thank you to all Jeans and Jeans. That support the tennis podcast. That also have the surname Althoff. <laughs> yeah. Especially this one. Um, thank you very much for your support. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the newsletter. Honestly, you won't regret it. Um, and listen to us tomorrow because we'll be back. Speak to you then. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 